I'm talking now to Dan Rosenberg, who I first met when he was involved in the award-winning project Yiddish Glory, which involved discovering and reviving music from World War II. Dan, welcome back to Folk and Acoustic Music and WLRN. Well, thank you so much, Michael. I have you on the show now because of your love for world music and specifically music from the Ukraine, which, of course, now is suffering some catastrophic attacks from Russia. And I asked you to be on the show because, frankly, I really don't know anything about Ukrainian culture and music. What brought your interest to the Ukrainian culture? You know, that's a, a, a long story, which we won't have time to go in total depth. But for about 20 years, I've been working for the Rough Guide to World Music series. I had this gig where I'd travel all around the world looking for folk music, putting together compilations and doing radio episodes for Afropop Worldwide and CBC's Global Village. And I'd always had an interest in Ukrainian music. My great-grandparents are from Poland and Ukraine. Um, so there was always that connection. And this was one of the records I'd hoped to do. I did about 60 over the past 20 years for that series. But sadly, the owner of the company passed away a few years ago. And this wasn't completed, but I have a, a big collection of Ukrainian folk music. So I'm, I'm very happy to be able to share, although I wish it was under different circumstances. How different is Ukrainian music from Russian music? For, for that matter, how different are the cultures? You know, that's a very interesting question, right? Because one of the very disturbing things that Vladimir Putin has said is uh, Ukraine isn't really a country now. When you hear that as a Ukrainian, I think any country that would hear that, right? Imagine if somebody said to you, right, oh, Mexico's not a country or France isn't a country, right? You have your music, your tradition, your language, your culture, your dances, everything, right? And as we'll hear in all these songs, it's not just one style of music. Ukraine is a huge country. It's one of the largest in Europe, if not the largest, not counting Russia, which is Europe and Asia. You hear Romani music and Yiddish music and all sorts of different styles of music. It's not like we can say there's one style of French music, although there's the French language. So it, that'll be something we'll get to hear over the next several segments. Well, let me start with the Hodaki Village Band. But before I play that, one of the members of the band, Yuri Bukivietz, do you know him personally? He's somebody that I haven't met in the real world, but um, I been in love with this group the Hudaki Village Band I found out about them in 2013 they were quite active back in the protests you may remember in 2013 and 14 there were these protests in Independence Square in Kiev when the president at that time Viktor Yanukovych had opted for closer economic ties with Russia when most Ukrainians had wanted closer economic ties with the EU. So these huge protests in the square and there some violence against protesters, they were performing regularly. And there's very powerful videos of them on YouTube performing before these large crowds that eventually overthrew Yanukovych and he left in exile. They are now in the Carpathian Mountains, which is relatively safe compared to what we've seen, especially up north in places like Kharkiv that are being bombed and Mariupol in the south. And I reached him uh, about a week ago, and it's been hard to communicate with everything that's going on with spotty electricity and internet service. And he told us how they are in the Carpathians. And in addition to all the refugees that have 
fled, mostly women and children. Now it's probably close to 3 million as we speak. He spoke uh, about the terrible situation for all of the internally displaced in Ukraine. The Hudaki village ban, I I assume there's a a village called Hudaki? (laughs) Yes. They play music, many different styles. You you, You hear parts of klezmer music, Romani music, and lots of music from the Carpathians. They have members from different ethnic groups, like Vitaly Kovach is an amazing Romani singer and guitarist. Uh, Yuri Bakovnets, who we'll hear from right now, he's their clarinetist. Here is the voice memo from Yuri Bakovnets, and then the band he's with, the Hudaki Village Band. Hello, everybody. Good evening. This is Yuri speaking from Hudaki Village Band in uh, Ukraine. Thank you. Thank you for uh, the opportunity opportunity to let me send you some uh, message from our country with this uh, attack, actually, from uh, Russia, from Mr. Putin. And uh, actually, I, we, uh, with Hudaki, we are in a region, in the, the Carpathians, which is uh, by chance not, not in, in war, because we are very far from Russian border. But of course, we are extremely concerned and we are working day and night to help refugees from our brothers and sisters who come from Kiev or Kharkiv and other regions from the east. They are fleeing. And, uh, you know, uh, two millions already left Ukraine. But I think uh, in my mind, more than two millions are also in these western regions and uh, in every house of uh, our musicians every and other house. Uh, people, the houses are full of people, the relatives, uh, parents from them, or uh, friends, just some other persons, women with children, elder people. Uh, so, uh, yes, this is our life now. School, every uh, public life is shut down. And uh, just we uh, we try to be very busy and occupied not to not to cry, not to be sad, but be active and react. But I am sure, and my friends here in Ukraine are sure, that uh, Putin will not win this war. So stay with Ukraine, please stay with Ukraine. Табуюся у топанка, пройду по подмосту, не грубого любка маю по своєму росту. Ай по своєму росту, по своєму росту. Ай
Waiting Down the River, that's the English version, obviously, of Hudaki Village Band. And do you know if the band is still together? One of the singers, Olya, is in, made it to Vienna, I've heard, that, at least as of a few days ago. They, their manager, who helped arrange this interview with Yuri Bakovnets, Arseli Tsigan in Madrid, told me that Olya had made it out and is now in, in Austria. You know, one of the things that you think about with what Yuri said, who can flee, right? And who can get out of the country? Those are people, obviously, who are in good health, who have some sort of resources, who are able to leave on a moment's notice, often people who have a car. But if you're older, if you're poor, if you don't have a means of transportation, if you have trouble traveling, if you can't wait at the border for hours and hours, in some cases days, we sort of see this terrible situation where some are able to leave and others can't. And, and the tragic consequences of people stuck in some of these cities, especially like Kharkiv, and Mariupol where that are being turned into rubble or Kherson. It's just absolutely heartbreaking. I mentioned that I met you through the project called Yiddish Glory, uh, where you found old songs and were, were resurrecting... Resurrecting songs that were written by Holocaust victims and survivors that were collected by an ethnomusicologist named Moise Beragoski from Ukraine. He was arrested not long after World War II and his, his collection was confiscated and he died thinking this was all lost. And the collection turned up decades later. He died thinking it was all gone. It turned up in the um, Vernadsky National Library in Kiev. And we've been involved in bringing many of these songs back to life. And one that I think would be quite moving to play is one we recorded since that album came out, and it's called Transnistrian Lullaby. Transnistria is this region on the Ukrainian-Moldovan border. And this song was written by a young mother in 1942, 80 years ago, named Reli Bly. And she had a two-year-old baby. And she was in um, a ghetto in the Mogilev Podolsk region of Ukraine. And if you look on a map and you'll see that's near Moldova. And she wrote this heartbreaking lullaby while she was trying to put her two-year-old baby to sleep amidst a war and a typhus epidemic. And one of the lines in the song says, in beautiful Ukraine, it's death that greets us. And when we saw that, all we could think of was, let's just hope no mother ever has to sing a lullaby like this to their children ever, ever, ever again. And yet here we see what's happening in these bomb shelters, young mothers trying to put their children to sleep in the middle of a war and an epidemic on top of that. Well, let's listen to this new version of this old song. Mir 
Transnishian Lullaby from Yiddish Glory, and I'm speaking to one of the producers of that project, Dan Rosenberg, about the music of Ukraine. Are these songs, do you think now these songs and and some of these traditions are in danger of being lost? What's at stake is indeed that, you know, Putin says Ukraine isn't really a country, which is an absurd thing to say. But when your country is being destroyed, it is so damaging long-term to the arts. Like if you think of, let's say, stateless peoples, like the Roma, or, you know, if you think of Palestinians, or if you think of Kurds or many other minorities who don't have their own country, there's no Kurdish embassy that can help you and, and help promote your culture. We just sort of take for granted as, let's say, you live in France, or if you live in any other country in the world that will have um, a national endowment for the arts. That, that's on the bigger picture. And of course, the more immediate is so many of these musicians are caught up in the war, you know, in war zones. This all happened so quickly. Wherever you were, if you didn't get out you know, almost immediately, now you, you see what's happening when cities are under siege and these gorgeous, gorgeous cities of Ukraine are being turned into rubble. One song I'd like to play next, if we ha- uh, can play another Yiddish song, there's a singer named Arkady Gendler, who was born in 1917. And he was considered the living Alexandrian library of Yiddish songs. He, he knew hundreds uh, of Yiddish songs, and he also wrote some of his own. And he served in the Red Army and helped liberate Ukraine from the Nazis, real Nazis, back in the 1940s, came back and discovered his whole family had been killed. And it's sadly a very common story for Jewish members of the Red Army. So after the war, he settled in a town called Zaporozhye, which sadly many people have learned that name over the past few weeks because Zaporozhye is the town of Ukraine's, actually it's Europe's largest nuclear power plant, which of all the horrors we've seen, uh, it seemed insane to be bombing a, a nuclear power plant. Thank goodness there wasn't an accident. So, but this was the town where Arkady Gendler lived. And he also spent a lot of time in Kiev and wrote an absolutely gorgeous song not long before he died. And it was recorded by Christian David, a wonderful classically trained clarinetist. And it's called Kiever Shine. And it's about, it's a love letter, musical love letter to the city of Kiev. And it's one of those songs that before this all started, you think, oh, my God, this is a beautiful song, how this man in his 90s loved the city of Kiev. And now you listen to it and how he describes how the sun rises and shines off the beautiful doorways and and off the rooftops. And you can hear the flow of the Dnieper River and the fountains in the squares. 
and what the city is like under as the sun starts to go down and and the sounds of all the different languages spoken at the university and poetry being recited and it, how the city becomes quiet at night and the only ones up to see the sunrise are lovers who stayed up all night. And it's just this love letter to this city. And now when you hear this song and you see apartment blocks being bombed, it has a completely different feel. Let's listen to our Katie Gendler with Kiev Shine. Es scheint der Rohn, der mit seinen Lied, 
Te vedi che flamme, un nor fare lipte gaie ne va, le menaie me togan keg. Uno e vedem hoi, drek fun dnep, anaie zun bageg. Es murmuc stil der Sroish nedi kastane, unroishek mitahoy shram, shprit nedi fantane, sebrek zil der zunen shtral, ashen keit farnioig, un batirt di vel tarum. Mit Farben von Regenbeigen. Arkady Gendler with a song about Kiev called Kiev Shine. I'm on the line with Dan Rosenberg, who's giving us a primer on music from Ukraine. It seems obvious that another big difference between Ukraine and Russia is the Yiddish culture you can find in Ukraine. Is there still an active Yiddish movement there? Well, I don't have the exact numbers on Yiddish speakers, but there are a number of Yiddish bands still active. Well, not active now during the war. I meant still active in modern times, like the Pushkin Klezmer band, there's a Harkov Klezmer band and a number of other singers as well. During the Holocaust, nearly a million Jews were killed in the land borders that represent modern Ukraine. Now, of course, after the war, as being part of the Soviet Union, a number have returned. I'd have to check on the exact population. But yes, there's a big uh, memorial in Babiyar this ravine outside of Kiev, where there was this terrible massacre that 33,771 Jews were killed on September 29th and 30th, 1941. And that's another tragedy we saw in the news that that site was bombed, that cultural center, uh, when they were trying to take out a TV tower early in the war. And there is um, Fuzmer Music Festival as well. Um, that Mitya Gerasimov ha had founded. And last I heard is he was trying to make it to Western Ukraine, um, but he's from Kiev and he'd founded this amazing festival. And he had organized a group called the Jerusalem Orchestra that mixed klezmer music with Romani music, with Crimean Tatar music. There's a live recording of that with Frank London, who you might be familiar with, who happened to be there in Kiev for that, uh, Frank London of the Klezmatics. Well, since you mention it, Dan Rosenberg, let's give a short listen to Sergei Babichi and the Jerusalem Orchestra. Thank you. 
short sample of Sergio Babashi and the Jerusalem Orchestra. I'm on the line with Dan Rosenberg, who's giving us a primer on music from Ukraine. Uh, so obviously, one, one of Putin's objectives is to get rid of this culture, uh, because this music is not celebrated in Russia, obviously. Well, you know, that's another interesting case, right? I mean, it's not the perfect analogy, but Russia and Ukraine, historically, right, are, are close, and everyone has friends and relatives. I almost think of it as like U.S. and Canada. Everybody, has, at least in Canada, the, the smaller country has friends and relatives in the United States. And historically, there's, there's so many families, right? Imagine, we heard this case the other day where one of the Russian broadcasters put up that sign and was arrested on one of the Russian news channels. So she said no war and she got to speak freely for three seconds about how they were being lied to on street propaganda. And one of her parents is from Ukraine, the other parent is from Russia. And this is not an unusual story. You mentioned this idea though of trying to eliminate a culture. And a song I'd like to play next is Crimean Tatar music. And this, this is a real, horrific attempt in 1944 to eliminate a culture in Ukraine. That year, Stalin deported the Crimean Tatar population from that peninsula, which was over 200,000, removed the whole group, sent them to other parts of the Soviet Union, mostly to Central Asia, where parts are that uh, approximately 20% died during this period. But a number of exponents of this culture, of course, kept these traditions alive. And one of them is Luman Sejalilov, 
um, from this beautiful recording of violin and accordion music. Let's listen to this almost extinct Romanian Tartar music. Some Tartar music that could have been lost if not for people like Dan Rosenberg, who collects world music. We're talking about the music of Ukraine this afternoon. I want to play something modern now, and I'm surprised how much I fell in love with this band, Dakar Braka. What makes up this band? You know, Dakar Braka has been around for over a decade, and you can sort of hear it in their music, right? It's very modern, but it has all sorts of folk traditions from across the country, and three of the four members of the group are ethnomusicologists, which of course really excites me. The idea of people, you know, working on a project, the Yiddish music that was started by an ethnomusicologist, uh, people that have devoted their lives to studying this, and they started a band. And um, life sort of changed in Ukraine in 2014 when Putin invaded and took the Crimean Peninsula and then funded an insurgency in the Eastern Donbass region. 
And when that happened, groups like Dr. Braca, them in particular, became much more political during their performances. They would have images on the screen where they would say, stop Putin and no war, trying to warn people uh, that what was going on in Eastern Ukraine and the seizure of Crimea was a warning and it wasn't gonna end with just those regions. And they also played scenes of those protests that we talked about earlier in 2013 and 2014, where there was violence against people just protesting to be part of the European Union. So maybe next time we should listen to these warnings. Here is the sound of the contemporary Ukrainian band Daka Braka with Rattle from their latest album, Alambari. I'm 
Daka Braka, band from Ukraine. I'm talking to Dan Rosenberg, who, who you had, you had started to do a, a history of the folk music of Ukraine, but it was stalled because your partner uh, passed away. Have you have you been to the Ukraine? You know that was one of the tragedies of that project because, as I mentioned earlier, I uh, when we would start these, I'd been to. I sort of lost count, but approximately 40 countries putting together the Rough Guide series. So I've done compilations in Salvador de Bahia, Brazil, and in Peru and Venezuela and North Africa, all across Europe, Romania and Hungary. I had hoped to go. And one of the other terrifying things, I have friends in Moldova that are packing up and are terrified that they're going to be next. Are you personally doing anything? Well, look, one of the things that we want to do the most, right, is to, uh, you know, to share this music, share what's happening. Um, a lot of the musicians uh, are doing benefit concerts. And I'm also hoping that we can arrange for when this is over to bring some of these musicians to Canada to uh, earn a living and, and do some shows. And most of all, I want to hope our governments uh, are accepting refugees. And so far... It, they have, but you know, historically, that's been a problem. I'm speaking with Dan Rosenberg, uh, who's a music producer of uh, Extraordinaire. Uh, what, what song would be a good song to finish up on here? Um, you know, I'd like to finish up with some Ukrainian wedding music. Now, it, with all of the horrors that are going on, right? Weddings aren't exactly what you think might be on, you know, the first thing on somebody's mind. But one of the things I've seen on both in the news media and on social media are all of the young couples that are racing off to get married in the midst of these horrors that are happening. And you could imagine, right, the young man is having to go off to war and they want to get married beforehand, knowing that they may never see each other again or and 
course, giving extra motivation above the love that they share. I want to play a song by Mariana Sadowska. She's from Ukraine. She now lives in Cologne, Germany, and she's been involved in so many benefit concerts in Germany for Ukrainian refugees. And of course, if you follow her social media feed about what's been going on, she recorded a, a gorgeous album. It's hard to believe it's been almost 20 years ago about folk music that she learned in Ukraine growing up. And she writes in the liner notes about how these songs, she didn't want to learn them from books. She wanted to learn them from oral history. She wanted to hear exactly how elders sang them. And she has a whole bunch of wedding songs on the album. And a lot of them are not as joyful as we sort of think of the Hava Nagila wedding kind of music. But if you think about it, right, wedding is sometimes the mixed emotions for parents because the child has grown up. They're no longer kids. You had these two decades that were just joyful and the child is now not a child anymore and leaving. And once again, these are songs that you hear that have a very different meaning, right? Of the parent might be losing the child to now these weddings are incredibly bittersweet of this rushed wedding and heading off to defend your country. Dan, I want to thank you for doing what you do and, and listening to the music of Ukraine. I, I kind of have a, a stronger kinship with them. You, you kind of understand them just a little bit better when, when you hear the music that they produce. Thank you so much. And I think that's one of the most important parts about doing this. We have this connection to fellow human beings when we see kids that are in a culture center or in a subway and just hiding in the basement and... and completely innocent why should they be bombed right we, we connect just as human beings but when we hear their stories we hear their songs we hear the beautiful language and the music we have a, a different connection and and i hope that came across dan thanks so much thank you so much michael here is mariana sadovska with cycle of ukrainian wedding songs Засвіти мати свічку, постав на столі, нехай люди подивляться, чи пора мене. Засвітила мати свічку, вона і не горить, а у мене молодої серденько.
Oh, 
Just a 